This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tonight on Huckabee, former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the quick wit of comedian Jeff Wayne, syndicated columnist Ron Hart, holiday inspiration from award-winning Point of Grace. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Welcome. We are so glad you're here. Merry Christmas, everybody. I am thrilled to have this great audience. We really have a terrific audience. We're going to keep them. They're not going to get to go home. We're going to feed them. Uh, but they'll be here for the next several shows because we really like the energy that they brought to the theater tonight. You are great. Yes. I don't know if you've noticed this, but regardless of who is in power in Washington, the one thing that Americans deserve and actually demand of their government is that it sees its power as a sacred trust from the people and operates even-handedly within the law. Now, really, there should be no difference in, well, no difference at all in how a Democrat or a Republican is treated by the government, whether it's agencies like the IRS or by the Department of Justice, the FBI, or the court system. Lady Justice is supposed to be blind to everything but the law, and her scales are supposed to be even. Sadly, most of us know that's just not the case these days. The weaponization and the politicization of the highest levels of law enforcement, such as the FBI, when they were trying to tie Donald Trump to the Russians, that's just a prime example. Indictments handed down by Special Prosecutor John Durham already reveal that there really was a vast conspiracy, but it started from the Hillary Clinton campaign and its operatives and resulted in fabricated dossiers used to actually spy on the Trump campaign in 2016 and then even after he was sworn in as president. And the cover-up led all the way to the director of the FBI, the head of the CIA, as well as corrupt members of Congress, like Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, Jerry Nadler, and others who unleashed the full power of the federal government to try and discredit Donald Trump and to protect those who abuse their positions of trust in the government and who ought to be in prison right now, not getting a government paycheck. Now, this is not a small thing. When Richard Nixon abused his power as president and surrounded himself with those who committed crimes to influence an election and then to cover it up, there was universal anger. And it wasn't just from Democrats, but Republicans were just as upset. And the media relentlessly pursued the truth wherever it led them. Boy, those days are gone. I mean, we've seen disgusting abuses of power in our government toward people just like you. In the Obama years, Lois Lerner, a high-level IRS official, singled out conservative, pro-life, and pro-Christian organizations and denied them nonprofit status, even targeted some with such heavy-handed tactics that they ultimately ceased to exist because they couldn't match the resources of the federal government to fight back. You see, the greatest threat to our nation, its institutions, and to our children is not the national debt, although that is a serious threat to our economy. And it isn't what China or Russia might do or attempt to do, regardless of how bold they might be in cyber attacks or worse, a military assault. Now, the greatest threat to America 
is not even the hyper-partisan and radically left social media and high-tech giants. And they really do pose some serious threats to constitutionally protected free speech. The greatest single threat to our nation is that our own government would engage in nothing less than criminal enterprises to deprive some Americans of due process and equal protection under the law, and then would excuse and ignore criminal behavior on the part of those who are on the side of the political party in power. Folks, if we can't trust our law enforcement officials, if we can't trust the courts and the legislature and executive and judicial branches to play it straight, it's not a matter of if we will collapse, but when. During my tenure as governor, one of my regulatory agencies came to me and told me that a personal friend of mine, a longtime supporter, was engaging in unlawful activities regarding that particular industry that uh, they were regulating. And when they asked, what should they do? I immediately said, well, it's simple. You treat that individual no better or no worse. But if the law has been broken, spare nothing. Now that cost me the friendship of the individual as well as friends and family members of that individual. But better to lose friends than to lose one's honor and solemn duty to treat all persons exactly the same. So here's what it means in simple terms. It means treating a political adversary as fairly as one would treat a friend and treat a friend no differently than a foe. Because if government fails to do that and treats and acts as if its power is a political license to destroy opposition, then our government is more corrupt than anything or anyone it ever tries to adjudicate. And we really will have lost the country. Well, this week, Mark Meadows became a target of the January 6th Commission, which voted unanimously to hold him in contempt for refusing to comply with their kangaroo court proceedings. Then they went a step further when Congress voted to refer him to the Department of So-Called Justice. Now they say they want to get to the bottom of what happened in the Capitol on January 6, 2021. And quite frankly, I'm sure they will go all the way to the bottom, no doubt. But some of us think this is all a partisan show trial designed to punish supporters of President Trump. Mark Meadows, former White House Chief of Staff, former Congressman, is also the author of a new book called The Chief's Chief. He's here with us tonight to break it all down. Please give a warm welcome to the show to Mark Meadows. I'm sure this was exactly the kind of uh, wonderful, warm reception you got when Nancy <laughs> Pelosi wanted you to come over to the House. Yeah, I don't get this kind of applause anywhere close to Washington, D.C. <laughs> you know, but that says a lot of good things about you. If you were loved in that town, I'd frankly worry about you a lot more. Yeah. But you're loved in North Carolina, where you're from, and you're loved here and around the country because people recognize that you have served honorably with great distinction. I want to get right to the heart. You have had, I would say by anybody's measures, a pretty rough week. Yeah, I think so. Whenever breaking news comes out, <laughs> sweat breaks out on my forehead. So uh, Yeah, when you're trending on yeah, Twitter, yes, it ain't a good day. No, it's not a good day. Yeah. But uh, let's talk about what has been targeted toward you. Basically, uh, this... Uh, and I think it's a sham committee. They didn't even follow their own rules. But they're supposed to have an equal number or maybe at least nine members who are Republican. They only have two, two people who hated the president, uh, the former president. Right. And uh, were not appointed by the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy. Were appointed by Nancy Pelosi. Right. Exactly. So what is Nancy Pelosi, the speaker for the Democrats, what kind of uh, bipartisanship would she appoint Republicans 
that she knew would do what she wanted them to do. Well, they're handpicked for exactly that reason. Everybody on that committee has already voted to impeach Donald Trump. So there's no way that they could look at this as a, uh, in a neutral fashion, let's put it that way. The, the rub on you has been that you're not going to go and unload all of the conversations that you had with President Trump when you were chief of staff. Right. I, I don't understand why people don't get this. If a chief of staff cannot have confidential conversations with the president of the United States, there will never be a president who will have a chief of staff that will be worth uh, a milk bucket under a bull <laughs> because you'll never be able to have the conversations that that job requires. Well, you're exactly right. And Governor, you, you had a chief of staff who, who honestly, in the privacy of those rooms, would have those candid conversations with you as only a chief of staff and the governor, or in my case, uh, the president of the United States could have. And yet, uh, going back all the way to George Washington, this executive privilege has been protected. And now what do we have? We have a, a, a committee that is bound to determine to, to seek political revenge on President Trump. And let's let's be clear, this is not about Mark Meadows. Yeah. It's it's about President Trump and about all of the people that are here because who is next is their coming mayor. Now you were chief of staff and with the president on January the 6th of last year when right. the riot at the Capitol happened. I don't know of anybody who thought that that was a great moment. Uh, I, I, I know you didn't and right. that was your counsel. The rub has been, well, you should have uh, gone in there and told the president to go on television immediately. Will you describe for us, without breaking a confidence, what did happen in the White House that day? Well, I can tell you, no one in the White House knew that there was going to be a security breach at the Capitol on that given day. Uh, and, and, and when it happened, I mean, a number of things went went into action immediately. You know, and so the narratives that are out there is that somehow that there was this delay of, of, of action on the president's part is just is blatantly false. And, uh, and in the end, the truth always prevails. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that in the end, what they will see is not only did President Trump take action, but that he took immediate action. And, uh, and it's a sad day. I mean, we condemn what, what happened on that particular day, but at the same time, there were hundreds of thousands of people in Washington, D.C., supporting a president that they loved and that I had the honor of serving uh, that, that peacefully came out to let their voices be heard. And, and, and that doesn't get covered in a whole lot of the mainstream uh, media. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And I find it interesting, you have turned the tables on Speaker Pelosi. You have sued her. Yes, I so have. Tell us I about have. that. <laughs> Too bad this isn't a jury. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tell you, uh, what, what I think is the American people need to understand what's going on. And, uh, and Congress, uh, they, they want to pretend like th this is a real investigation. Uh, I think it would be great for the American people to see all of Nancy Pelosi's emails and text messages. I mean, what do you think? I like that. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm anxious to see how that's going to go. And we're going to continue our conversation with Congressman Mark Meadows, former chief of staff to the president, right after the break. So don't you dare go away. We've got a lot more to ask him. Stay with us. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details.
Well, we've been talking to the former White House Chief of Staff to President Trump, Mark Meadows. And while the Capitol riot was a travesty, the Democrats and the media have made it out to be far worse than it was, calling it an insurrection, which it clearly was not. Or else it was the most pathetically planned and executed insurrection in world history. But the Democrats' insistence to pretend that hundreds of riots last summer were no big deal, but that the riot at the Capitol was the worst thing that ever happened in America, including even the Civil War, that has all divided the country. Mark Meadows has just been held in contempt of Congress for not feeding into their ridiculous and damaging narrative. Let's continue our conversation with Mark Meadows. And thank you for sticking around. In, in, in your book, The Chief's Chief, you yeah. talk about what it's like to be the chief of staff. Yeah. What is it like to be the chief of staff? Well, let me just tell you, it's like going from slow pitch softball to having Nolan Ryan throw a fastball <laughs> at you. I tell you, uh, here's, and, and in the book, we talk about this. You know, everybody talks about President Trump's work ethic. He worked me under the table. I mean, I, I can tell you that each and every day, not only was he working around the clock, but he never slept. Yeah. I mean, uh, you may have a family member that knows a little bit about yes, that. Yes, she governor. does. <laughs> <laughs> because I would get calls at 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3.18. 3.18 is the latest or earliest, depending <laughs> on how you want to uh, quantify it, that I have. But then it's not a... He's checking up at 7.30 the next morning wanting to know how you're doing on that to-do list that he gave you in the wee hours of the morning. Uh, and, and so uh, as I bring the people in the book into the Oval Office, this is a president who not only loves America from a campaign podium, but he loves America when you're behind the scenes, no cameras, he, he believes in America first because he believes in the American people and the greatness of this great country. Is there, is there a possibility that if Republicans take the House and hopefully even the Senate, but even if they just got the House, which I believe most people think that'll happen, will they then exercise their rights and responsibilities to find out what kind of text and emails Nancy Pelosi was having with Capitol Police because there were many offers, including my understanding, you can verify, President Trump requested additional security for the Capitol on January the 6th, and she denied that. Well, that's correct. I mean, before January 6th, uh, President Trump, and I've been very public about this, and, and the January 6th committee wants to look the other way. Uh, he said not once, but multiple times, I want 10,000 National Guard troops here in the city to make sure that whatever happens here can be done in a peaceful way. Yeah. Now, part of that was because of the unrest that we had had prior to that uh, when, when we look at it. And, and yet what happens is, is that they all said no. Hmm. And, and, and he gets the blame. Now, here's the interesting thing. So we'll make a little bit of news here so they'll pick up on it. The President of the United States does not have the policing authority for Washington, D.C. It's actually the mayor of, of uh, Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so everybody wants to focus on a Republican president as, that it was his fault when they need to be looking a little bit closer to home. There were um, all these reports that the riot resulted in the deaths of police officers. It did not. Uh, that there were armed insurrectionists. Not one firearm, not one, was found among the people who were there. And I'm not defending breaking right. in and doing right. the things they did and defacing and vandalizing property. Right. But the only fatality was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran yeah. who was shot dead. She was unarmed. She was a Trump supporter. In the Capitol. The only person, I never hear the mainstream media mention that she was killed that day. Well, they, they don't, and, but never underestimate Washington, D.C. having two standards. Uh, I can tell you, I cover in the book uh, about President Trump offering, uh, offering help to governors across the country, Washington State, mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon, actually in Wisconsin. And I can tell you, it's well documented where we actually offered the National Guard in Wisconsin prior to the tragic shooting that happened, and it was only after the tragic shooting did we call back and I said, you turned us down the first time. 
But we're sending the National Guard with or without your approval now to restore order in, in Wisconsin. And yet that seems to get passed over by the media oftentimes. You know, the president believes, in, do you mind if I tell a real quick? Sure, so, no. So, uh, so this is the kind of president that I had the honor of serving. He believes in law and order, but more, almost as important, he believes in supporting our law enforcement, our first responders, our veterans each and every day. I mean, he does that. Uh, I, I tell a story, I tell a story in the book how Debbie and I, this is when I was still in Congress, we got to go and get in the beast and the beast is his secure vehicle. And, he, and, and Debbie and I are in there by ourselves. And the reason we were there by ourselves is because he was backstage after a speech, taking pictures, thanking every first responder, every law enforcement officer, the military men and women, the people that served him. And, and you know what? The media wasn't there. They weren't covering it. But that's the kind of guy he is behind the scenes. And I hope that's what this book kind of highlights, the, the person that I've had the honor of serving and, and calling my friend. I think it's very important that your book is not a book of somebody who worked uh, over in the executive office building who never set foot in the Oval Office yeah. and wrote a, quote, tell-all book of the Trump presidency. Yeah. There have been several of those. These are people, my daughter is a firm, they probably never met the president, and if they did, it was very brief. You were in his office all day long. So there's an authority and credibility uh, that your book will provide for people if they're really interested in what happened. If they're interested in the truth, the two people that spend the most time with the President of the United States uh, in the Trump administration would be the Chief of Staff and the communications person in Sarah yeah. Sanders. I mean, those are the two people uh, that just on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis spend time. And so you get to see him up close and personal. And, uh, and, and that, that person, the way he made decisions was just remarkable. I want to tell you how much I appreciate, and I think a lot of other Americans, that you did not roll over to Nancy Pelosi and Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, uh, and you're fighting back. You're standing oh, up you, for the principle uh, of what's right. And we're so grateful for that. And uh, I hope that this wonderful audience tonight showing you their appreciation is an effort to say, don't let those goons in Washington get you down because the rest of America appreciates that you're fighting uh, for them. It's a real encouragement, a real encouragement. Well, Thank you, Governor. Thank you. Stay put. You. I want you to remember that you can read more about Mark Meadows' time as Trump's chief of staff by reading his book, The Chief's Chief. You can also keep up with Mark Meadows and show him your support by following him on social media. You can get all of that information. Go to the website, Huckabee.tv. There is a direct link for the book and all things Mark Meadows. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us who's next, or if he doesn't. You know what we're going to do? We're going to hold him in contempt of this show. Oh, you would do that. Oh, I wouldn't want that. Coming up, stand-up comedian Jeff Wayne, later award-winning vocal group Point of Grace, celebrates Christmas on Huckabee. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. Hey, have you gotten your Huckabee Show merchandise yet? You know, we got it. And if not, I just want to know, what are you waiting for? We've got all kinds of cool stuff. Huckabee Show hats. We've got Huckabee Show mugs that I'm drinking out of. Boy, the water tastes better in that. <laughs> and shirts. And you know what? They're all made 100% right here in America. That's where they're made, America. Yep. And by the way, I don't get any of the money. 
Not a penny of it. All the proceeds go to funding more of the great programming here on TBN. So just know where it goes and know that it's made in America. All you got to do if you'd like to do some shopping is go to Huckabee.tv, click the shop button at the top of the screen. That's all you got to do. Hey, tonight's comic got his nickname from a couple of guys that are pretty decent in comedy. He got it from Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. That shows you the circles that he travels in. He's toured all over the world. He's appeared on many TV and radio shows. His comedy CDs are heard on Sirius XM, and his dry bar comedy special is called Big Daddy Kicks It. I want you to welcome a great guy and a very funny guy, Jeff Big Daddy Wayne. Big Daddy's here. Oh, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is Jeff Wayne. I'm originally from Newport, Kentucky. I moved to Los Angeles to become a big star, and here I am in Hendersonville. And I'll take it! Flew in from LA, and of course the flights today are crazy. Everybody in their masks, the plane is just crammed with people, and I'm sitting on the aisle with a mother at the window and her little six-year-old boy in between us. This kid is up and down, up and down, in and out, in and out, up and down, running up and down the aisles, in and out. And after a few hours, her mother turned and said, uh, I hope my son isn't bothering you. I said, no, but I wish he'd go play outside. <laughs> now, let me tell you, I am proud to be from Newport, Kentucky. I I'm proud to be from Newport. I'm proud to be from Kentucky, and I'm proud to be white trash. We are the world's last oppressed minority. I want you to think about that. Any other group of people, you call them a name, you're a racist, you're a bigot, or you're insensitive, but you can say whatever you want about white trash, nobody cares. Not even white trash. Do white trash lives matter? They don't care. And you won't hear that on Colbert. <laughs> So I've got some good news for you. I've started dating again. I was married many years. We divorced, remarried. I wanted my house back. <laughs> Unfortunately, we divorced again, and I just dedicated my life to raising the kids and being a good comedian. But a few months ago, I said, it's time for romance. Time to date. And I met a lady who was very attractive, personable, age-appropriate. Took her out to dinner. Before we even order anything, she goes, okay, okay, before we start, I have to ask you a question. And you're gonna be totally honest because our whole relationship will depend on it. And I'm thinking, this isn't good. This isn't good. <laughs> but I try to be a nice guy. So what's the question? She said, okay, now just be honest. What's your spirit animal? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? She said, and each one of us is a spirit animal. It's what we really are. It's wild. It's free. It could be a zebra or a gazelle or an elk. What's your spirit animal? You know, us guys may not be very good at relationships, but we know crazy when we hear it. <laughs> so... I thought I would shift things around. I said, what's your spirit animal? She said, I'm an Arctic fox. I'm white and fluffy. I have little black eyes, and I dart across the snow. And I'm thinking, oh, my. She said, now think hard. What is your spirit animal? I said, I'm a dung beetle. She said, that's not even an animal. It's an insect. I said, well, I'm still evolving. I, I'm evolving from the slime. It's that Darwin thing, you know. It was all over right there. But it makes me think, what is happening in the world? You're talking about education, right? In LA, we have what's called feel-good education. Theory is you don't fail the students, you don't hurt their self-esteem. What's the result? A bunch of stupid people that feel good about themselves. <laughs> Joey, what's two plus two? Three? You're so close, Joey. <laughs> Someday, Joey, you'll be an airline pilot. <laughs> I was, I was doing a show a couple years ago at a college. This is how they're changing our language. You know they're changing our language. I told a joke. I said, my grandma's going deaf. We can't afford a hearing aid, so we just stopped talking to her. 
lady stopped me and said, the term is no longer deaf, it's hearing impaired. I said, it doesn't matter what you say, she ain't gonna hear it. <laughs> Look, all the language is supposed to be sensitive now. We used to use the term illegal alien. It was supposed to establish that person's legitimacy in the, you know, whether they're an alien or an illegal alien. Suddenly that's racist. It's insensitive. So now they're undocumented workers. Pretty soon burglars will be unwelcome house guests. Maybe it's the schools. When I was a kid one time, this teacher, she didn't like me as a class clown. She said, you're stupid. You should never tell a child you're stupid. And she said, I'll prove you're stupid. What's closer, the moon or Paris? I said, the moon. She said, how do you figure? I said, I look out the window at night. I can see the moon. I don't see Paris. <laughs> and before I finish, and we find out what the governor's spirit animal is, the big news from Los Angeles is... The media is all aglow and happy that the white people will soon be the minority and the minorities will be the majority. And I have friends that say, how do you feel about being a minority? I said, great, I'll have some rights. <laughs> God bless you, Merry Christmas, and thank you. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. So yeah, what, great what, having you here. What is your spirit animal? Because I know you, you're thinking of it. It's, it's probably the unicorn. It's something that doesn't exist. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> well, you got me with that one. There you go. Hey, if you want to find out how you can see our book, Jeff Big Daddy Wayne, and get his comedy CDs and see his hilarious dry bar comedy special, go to Huckabee.tv. We have a connection right to Jeff, and you're going to want it. What a great time. Give him a big hand, everybody. Thank Jeff you. Wayne. Thank you. Keith Bilbrey, tell us what we have coming up next. Coming up, former NFL pro Danny White and Chris Christian. Later, political columnist Ron Hart. Stay with Huckabee. Welcome back. Now, on the show tonight, a living football legend. You're going to recognize this guest right away because he still holds numerous Dallas Cowboy records. These days, he can be found inspiring leaders and players, both on and off the football field. He's joined by the producer of a streaming Christmas program to reminisce about some pretty special holiday moments from the 1980s Cowboys. You know, America's team, my favorite football team for sure. And as a lifelong Cowboys fan myself, I got to tell you, this is pretty high cotton for a boy from Hope, Arkansas. Please welcome former Dallas Cowboys quarterback Danny White and producer of the Dallas Cowboys Christmas, Chris Christian. Great having you. Thank you. This is kind of a fun thing. Back in the 80s, Chris, you had this crazy idea to produce some Christmas stuff with the Dallas Cowboys, who weren't exactly known for being musical. Well, Danny's <laughs> musical, and he knew the Cowboys were musical, and I love the Cowboys, and he loved to make music, so we just decided to do a Christmas album, and it did so well in 85, we did it again in 86. So, 35 years have passed. Danny, you actually played piano, right? And you were a, I, a musician. I made my mother a promise when I was 13 years old, after eight years, of taking formal piano lessons, uh -huh. she would let me quit taking lessons if I promised to play the piano every day. And I've kept that promise. Have you really? Yes, I have. All these years, you've continued to play every day. Yep. All right, you've got to come back and play with Trey and the band sometime. I'd love it. They would <laughs> love it. Um, so when, when this whole project started, did you have some reluctance dealing with some of your fellow Dallas Cowboys, these pro athletes and no, you know, it was a distraction. It was in the middle of the season. It was our day off. I went around and asked some of them, hey, would you guys like to come to the studio and, and make this Christmas video? 
music video, and they they lit up. So I mean, who they, all was the in this? The tough one was Coach Landry. Yeah, because he's not maybe, exactly exuberant, right? I mean, you know, he's 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 not musical. <laughs> he doesn't have a great sense of humor, although <laughs> although it's better than most people think it is. But you get to see it in this video. You see a side of Coach Landry, and that's kind of what this is, is a tribute to him um, that you that most people have never seen before. And that might might be my claim to fame is getting him to come to a studio and get out of his comfort zone. He raps. He puts on 12 <laughs> different hats for the 12 days of Christmas. Um, it's a new hat for Coach Landry instead of a partridge in a pear tree. Chris wrote all this stuff, and uh, yeah, it might be, might be my single biggest claim to fame was getting him in a, in a studio. I, I can't wait to see the whole thing, because this is a time when you're bringing all this stuff back, mm -hmm. talking about it. Who are some of the cowboys that you have in the video? Roger Staubach, uh, a lot of the older, some of the older yeah. guys did uh, the good old days. We did a, a song that Chris wrote. Um, but then Herschel Walker, Tony Dorsett, um, Bill Bates. Bob Hayes. Huh? Bob Hayes. Bob Hayes. Some guys that are no longer with us. Cliff Harris. Uh, anyway. This, Was Too Tall Jones? Too Tall plays the saxophone. Get out of here. <laughs> he pretends, pretend. I'm not going to give that away. He was okay. No, he plays the sax. Does he really? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think it's funny that after all these years, there's still so many Cowboy fans love you, remember you. And it may be that, uh, you know, the claim to fame for Danny White is not all these NFL records yeah. you have and Cowboys records and Super Bowls and all this. I would give anything to have done what he did, get up on a stage and have people screaming at me while I'm singing and performing. I am a frustrated musician, <laughs> singer, uh, no question about it. I would love to have done what Chris has done. Now, I've been on stage with people screaming, but they were screaming for me to get off. So I, that's a little different than Chris when they were screaming right. for him to do more and more and encore. Sometimes for me as well. <laughs> yeah. How do people get a hold of being able to watch the video and see uh, what, what's happening? Well, Crackle is a big streaming service. Crackle.com, it's on there. And then DallasCowboysChristmas.com is the site that'll lead you to crackle or to download it or do whatever. And we're doing some live going around to organizations and groups and getting five or six of the guys and putting on a little show, playing the video, doing a Q&A and a meet and greet with, uh, with, with, with groups of people. And that's been a, a blast. You know, I th think every Cowboys fan and even the people that maybe weren't Cowboys fan, my gosh, in that particular time prayer, even more than ever, the Cowboys really have been America's team. And it didn't matter where you live, people love the Dallas Cowboys, except for a few people that lived in Pittsburgh, but they'll get over it. We'll deal with them later. <laughs> By the way, good news for the audience members here. Every single person in our audience tonight is going to get a copy of this wonderful CD of the Dallas Cowboys Christmas. They'll get to take it home with them. You can learn more about the Dallas Cowboys Christmas Reunion Special going to the all-new Huckabee.tv where we have a link directly to all that Chris has talked about. And what a joy to have Chris and Danny here tonight. And I hope you'll get your copy of the Dallas Cowboys Christmas. Right now, it is time to learn more about the show. And to do that, we turn to the very only Keith Bilbrey. Well, thank you. Next, political humorist Ron Hart. Later, Christmas harmonies from the vocal group Point of Grace. You're watching Huckabee. Next week on Huckabee, join Mike's guest Nate Kellum and singer Michael Grimm. And welcome back, everybody. One of the great things about doing this show is that I get to be surrounded by some of the best musicians in all of America. I'm talking Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Give them a big hand, please. Well, I must really like our next guest. You know him as a syndicated columnist in newspapers throughout the country, a contributor to the Daily Caller. In this Christmas season, 
He says that when everyone's wondering if they're on the naughty or nice list, he's wondering what with his columns in this crazy administration, if he's on the list at the FBI, the IRS, and Homeland Security. He's been with us twice before. As I say, we must like him. We keep inviting him back. There's a reason for that. Welcome, Ron Hart. Okay, Ron, this week, the Democrats are trying to make their list of who's their potential presidential candidate, and the name that pops up the most, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it's sad. <laughs> Blast in the past. She was on some, some, she's doing some podcasts right now about she, you know, learning things she learned over time, like how to let, make it look like an accident <laughs> and, uh, and uh, <laughs> things like that. If I did it and things like that. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, to be fair, you got a tragedy in her family. You got the, all these, you know, you're from Arkansas. Yes. You know, how'd you get yeah. there alive, by the way? Uh, well, they don't know where I'm at on any given day. That's right. You were right. afraid to start your yeah. car at one point. But uh, no, I feel sorry for the Clintons. They had they had they buried ten family and friends last year, just last year only. Three, three were just napping. So um, to be fair, but um, she called this Ghislaine Maxwell, you know, the, the Epstein lady in, in prison, and uh, said, "Look, you know, let's hang sometime." So, so, Pretty brutal. So you were up against them. You were the you were the Republican against the Clintons in Arkansas. You, you know more I, I, than anybody. Look, I know else. the drill over there. Believe me, it was a tough, tough gig yeah. to follow them. It it's was. It's got to be tough. Very charismatic. Very good. But uh, Arkansas's tough. I mean, they, they leave a trail in their uh, in their past. Well, politics is a uh, blood sport there. I can tell you, and I've got a lot of tire <laughs> tracks and scars all over me from it. That's yeah. for sure. And the next best candidate is Kamala Harris, who has this kind of resting smirk face. You know, like, <laughs> she, I, the, the, the Democrats do not have a very deep bench, no. right? So they're digging pretty hard. Joe Biden, he thinks his name's Brandon right now. I think. It's uh, tough on him. And the inflation's so bad, you know, I, there's a new diet I'm on right now. Instead of buying food, I just eat the cash itself. <laughs> I just go eat the food itself. But, uh, you know, uh, Paskey, what's her name? The little, little Raggedy Ann spokesperson. He's, oh, Jen Saki. Oh, Saki, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, yeah, she has a tough to explain. They, they, they give her a hard time about inflation. She goes, well, yeah, I know there's inflation, but on the good news, there's no, nothing on the shelf to buy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I mean, you know, Biden is talking about that he's going to run again. Jen Psaki says that he's going to run again. Yeah. But the Democrats are already lining up people because they don't think he'll have a pulse by then. I mean, I'm just amazed yeah. that this is still... Well, we're currently living through like a weekend at Bernie's type of administration. <laughs> so, and, and I'm not entirely sure who's running the show up there. I mean, this, this is a terrible time for the country. It reminds me of Jimmy Carter. You're old enough to remember Jimmy Carter. Well, I'm old the... enough to remember Dwight Eisenhower. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, okay, one of the big news items over the last couple of weeks has been uh, the Jussie Smollett verdict. Yeah. This guy, I mean, with all the evidence that was so unbelievably against him, he maintained throughout the entire trial that it was all a, uh, just, you know, an attack on him and a racist yeah. attack. Somebody put a noose around his neck and he kept it on his neck until the cops got there an hour later. Yeah, the demand for racism is a lot higher than the supply in this country currently. I think <laughs> people understand that. Although I think he'll be acquitted. I know he got convicted, but there's a hundred, you know, non-guilty verdicts in the mail right now that will come in <laughs> in Chicago and, and probably let him go, so. Mail-in yeah. verdicts, is that the new thing we yeah, got in Chicago? that's what they got in Chicago right now. But I, I, any advice to Justy, I would say, I know it happened. Just don't beat yourself up over it. I mean, it's, <laughs> but it's, it's terrible. You know, um, they, they fined him $130,000. He didn't pay the fine, right? Yeah. So, you know, he was going to go down to pay the fine, but a couple guys beat him up and took his money, and he couldn't pay the fine. So, <laughs> you know, and that just tells you what we're up against. The, the, the highest form of a Democrat is to be a victim, right? Everybody wants to be a victim. Yeah. And, 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 and look, we know what America's like. It's not as bad as it's portrayed by Hollywood. And the left, you know, and you know, the Cuomo brothers. You know, there's 100% unemployment right now among the Cuomo brothers. <laughs> and and uh, they're, they're, CNN, you know, CNN's on the ropes right now. You got the Titanic and CNN are very similar. They're a little different. When the Titanic went down, they had their anchors, 
So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, that's brutal. Oh. <laughs> it's it gets, true, but it's brutal. It gets worse, but I, I, won't, I won't do that. Do you, uh, do you sometimes, I mean, struggle to find material for your column? Because I love your reading. I never miss reading the Ron Hart column, either in the Daily Caller or I'll pick it up in one of the syndicated pieces that you're in across the country. But do you ever just say, oh man, I got no material? No. <laughs> when, you're, when you're one of the few people from the right making fun of the left, it's pretty easy, right? And you got, you, got, you got this buffoon Biden, you got Kamala Harris, you got all these Schumer and all these people in, in, in DC. It's just, it's just an easy thing to do from, from the right wing looking at the left because no one else is doing it. Nancy Pelosi this week said that Joe Biden was pretty much perfect. That was her exact <laughs> words. So uh, is, is Nancy, is she okay? Uh, you know, I, I have a philosophy of Pelosi, Schumer, Biden. I'm not for term limits, but you should not be allowed to live in Washington, D.C. or be in Washington, D.C. past two facelifts or two hair plugs. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the limit, I mean, to D.C. But now Pelosi, you know, I don't know. It looks, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a big fan. She's in this loony left world, which I love, because the rest of the world sees them as what they are. It's crazy. Yeah. There's no centrist Democrats anymore. If there was a moderate Democrat, I, I may even consider voting for him at some point. I'm a libertarian. But there's just no centrist Democrats out there. There's no Sam Nunn's. There's no one around to, yeah. to do anything anymore. This, this uh, you know, Cheney, you know, uh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton talked about Dick Cheney reaching across the aisle to him at one time. There was some bipartisan back then, but I think she was more curious how he shot somebody and got away with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, Rod, it's always great having you. I'm sure we'll have you back for appearance number four before too long. Hey, if you want to keep up with Ron Hart's thoughts by reading his columns and following him on social media, learn more about him at Huckabee.tv. There's a direct link to Ron Hart and his columns. You'll want to do what I do, and that's read them every week. Now, we've still got a lot more show for you to enjoy. Keith Bilbrey is just the guy to tell you what's coming up. Got some exciting news coming up. Award-winning vocal group Point of Grace is on Huckabee. The platinum-selling vocal group Point of Grace has released a new Christmas album titled Sing Noel. Learn more about how to get a copy of this new musical gem at Huckabee.tv. And while you're there, watch their digital exclusive performance of Little Drummer Boy. Now, here to perform with Trey Corley of the Music City Connection, including Mike on bass, is Point of Grace. Song. 